see an avenue where he's maybe not overly productive and it's, you kind of struggle to put him into your game plan. Cause I think unless he dominates as a penetrator, you kind of see some Aaron Donald though, you know, turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with draft Vogel with the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft. The first pick. In the 2022 NFL Draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the sickest NFL Draft show. It's gonna be sick, sick, sick. And welcome into the sick podcast with Draft Vogel, John Vogel, Justin Gamble, Mark Jarvis is uh, in Indianapolis right now. We're at home and sick. I'm sick. How are you, Justin? My back hurts because I'm old, uh, and I played hockey and too much this week already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but other than that, can, yeah, a lot, a lot lately. But uh, I'm excited for the combine to start. I'm really anxious for that. So we'll have a lot more content. We'll have a lot to talk about soon. So yeah, cool. combine starting up tonight, uh, yes. this afternoon, getting underway, getting things on. And interviews have already started rolling out. Uh, as they, oh, yeah. you know, the you know media day started for the players on Wednesday. Uh, coaches and GMs came through on Tuesday, and I think there were a few that, sw- that swung through as w- on Wednesday as well. But, yeah. you know, so now the talk. Now everything is starting to get generated. Everything's starting to, to build up with the combine and all that. So really excited about that. Now, uh, Gam, we, we kind of wanted to get into some different stuff here, you know, because um, this is we – don't, we don't really have – I don't think the opportunity to – right now to be looking at how we're – like how we're looking at – you know, different positions like we've done in the past. We're right in the middle of draft season. And so we kind of have to uh, look at, at ahead to this class and start to kind of make our assessments, put that stuff out there. I've been great, like grinding through the tape the last week and um, just trying to get grades done, you know, like offensive and defensive lines and maybe some, uh, you know, players, quarterbacks really, but players that I don't need the athletic testing as much. You know, like I'm not yeah. as concerned about it. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of gauge and get a good feel for where a guy's going to test. So that kind of, so those types of grades. And well, this uh, is that point where you want to be ready for everything to be done except for your like the combine stuff. Once you throw that into your grade, you want to be prepared for it. That way you're not like, oh, I saw him test this. I saw him do this, but I'm kind of not finished with tape. I'm not finished with it. You want to get right. you want to be as prepared as possible at this point because uh, things are about to change. Hopefully, you know, for the better for most of these guys, hopefully we don't see a ton of flops and dudes we got to drop down our boards because I hate doing that anyway. You want to trust the tape and trust your eyes. But, yeah, this is um, – hopefully we can solidify as much as possible right now. Oh, and I'll tell you too, you know, um, like when, when you're doing, you know, this – you get past the combine and now we've got, you know, the Big 12 Pro Day that will essentially be another combine. And you got all the other Pro Days on top of all that coming up like – yeah, it's going to get yeah, wild. Weird. Yeah. Fast. But you had a really good idea. Go ahead and tell people what uh, what we're going to kind of get into a little bit today. Well, so one of my buddies, uh, we talk, you know, football every day as much as we can. And um, we're, we always bounce ideas and players off each other. But we were looking at like past drafts and some of the current top players in the NFL because we, we were talking about look at how – well, first, he asked me a question like, who's the best safety in the NFL? What even is a true safety anymore? Do we have a lot of those? 
who are the best players at their positions in the NFL and what makes them that way. And then we're looking around like a lot of these guys weren't the first player taken at their position in their draft year. Some of them are second at their round or some of them are late, you know, like, so we're asking like, what makes a great NFL player? And then he dropped a question on me. Who are some players from this current class that you could see ending up a top player at their position in the NFL? Hmm. Um, and, you know, the keyword unexpected, because I think a lot of these guys that are first rounders that we know are going to be first rounders are like, well, we expect him to be great. You know, we expect him to be great. And that's like the whole point is they're going to go high because we give them high grades. We think they're going to translate to great players. But you have to look back. I mean, I was looking, you know, Devontae Adams, he was a second rounder. He went after a lot of dudes that he's far more successful than, far better than. David Bakhtiari, I think the 2013 NFL draft, fourth round pick, became arguably the best left tackle of his maybe era. I mean, he's in there with a lot of quality guys at his time, but like that draft class, he went behind, you know, I think the only two guys maybe you could argue that were better are Taron Armstead, Lane Johnson. But he, mm-hmm. that was, I think, the was that the Eric Fisher year? That was yes. Jake Matthews. Yeah, he went behind yes. a ton of dudes that he's clearly better than. And so I think we were trying to figure out, you know, is there some guys in this class that we can kind of forecast to say, you know, he has the ability to be extremely productive, extremely good down the road that, you know, maybe we're not overly as, as high on as right now as we either should be or that we can be because, you know, it's a height, weight, speed auction. We always say that's a cattle auction. You can't take guys too high you, you don't want to overpay it's, it's not a smart move as a franchise but who are the guys that are not going to be overpaid for maybe that can develop into the top players at their position you know it's funny because when you pose the question to me one of the things that you kind of have to think about is upside right potential right. who's got that raw you know ability that kind of needs to to you know finesse it and you know you think about a guy that was drafted you know, that's become one of the best defensive ends in the country. He's a fourth round pick. That's Max Crosby. And when he came out of Eastern Washington, you know, like there wasn't a lot of hype around him. There wasn't, you know, this whole, you know, follow train of, oh, Max Crosby stands and da da da. Like, right. Or to like tradesy, long, athletic defensive end that the Raiders are like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's take a pick. Let's take a swinger on it. See if he hits. Yeah, they end up one of the best defensive ends in the country, and right. so you know, like it takes you gotta have to think about guys that they have that raw ability, but because of maybe the situation that they're in, maybe the I'm trying to think of the best way to say it, uh, you know, the the school that they're at. Yeah, they're a lot of it's like opportunities, kind of a, right? They're not getting right. that kind of attention. Um. The first guy that comes to my head that I kind of think about, and it's it's kind of funny because I think he very well may go first round, but that may be me going. I see too much. I see a lot of potential here. A lot of other projections have him, you know, closer to the bottom of the second, early okay. third. Oh, now Malachi I'm curious. Corley. I okay, never mind. I'm not that curious. I <laughs> Malachi Corley, man. I mean, like uh, yeah. Malachi is is That's such a gifted run after catch prospect, you know, where he becomes this running back in the open field. He takes off. He's, he's got great field vision, but then everybody was kind of, you know, shitting on him because, Oh, well, you know, you ran, you know, bubble screen 70% of the time or whatever that number was. I don't, I don't, I didn't chart it. So 
Um, but yeah, he ran a lot of bubble screens in that, you know, Western Kentucky offense. So he goes to the senior bowl and shows that he can kind of run some routes. And one of the yeah. things that's that's really key at that position is not selling, you know, uh your direction. One of the things I've kind of noticed where I've missed on receivers in the past has been thinking that I have to see a guy throw his shoulders all over the place, duck his head, throw it different ways, get that defensive back to bite, just be really convincing about it. And when you go look at all the great route runners in the league, nobody really does that. They're just so good through their breaks. They're smooth. They don't they don't show the defensive back where they're going. They don't even show the defensive back they're cutting because they're already running so low to the ground that by the time they hit their break, they don't have to drop their hips. They don't have to throw their shoulders. They don't have to throw their head. They're already at the point where they can just take those two steps, explode off that third, get into that break, and they're gone. This is in separation instantly. And I think Corley showed that at the Senior Bowl. Uh, when you look at and just, you know, the mentality that he has, you know, we had the opportunity to talk about him a little bit with Austin on the podcast, his quarterback at Western yeah. Kentucky. And he said he's the best teammate he ever had, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, like he just loves football and he's constantly trying to pick up on, on it. So Malachi Corley feels like he could be one of the top, if not the top receiver in the league at some point of his career to me. I think he... I don't think I, I don't think that highly of him, I guess, but I do understand that if he gets a chance to be super productive, he could be super productive because he's a run after the catch specialist. He's physical. Um, I think he does have enough. I don't want to say he's a home run hitter or a vertical threat, but I think you're looking at a guy that's probably around Debo Samuel's 40 time, like four four nine or something. Yeah. And that's I enough mean, speed. Look to at be, how those two measure Gam. Yeah, yeah. Those that's two, I mean, it's like their measurables are almost identical. And I, and I will say, I think he's a better pure receiver and pass catcher and separator than Debo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you're. I mean, people people always say like you know don't throw lofty comps around. I will say that I think he can be better than Debo. And where's Debo right now? Like what yeah, are we? And Debo's a great player. Like is he is he top ten? Is he top five? Like what? That's where is he? I don't I don't think Debo's top ten to me because again he, we saw last playoffs that you kind of got to manufacture touches for him. He's not a guy that you can say, go run routes, go be productive anywhere. That's not oh, who he okay, is. That's, fair. that's not who he is. It's just not. you know. So you, you do have to manufacture some production for Debo. Corley probably won't be dynamic enough, in my opinion, to be a top five, top 10 receiver. But I think you're looking at a guy that's probably top 20 every single year. And he's probably going to, you know, he could finish top five, top 10 in production for sure. So, I mean, and if that's the case, then, yeah, he could sneak into the back at, back few picks of that first round because that's a player that a lot of teams could use. So I'm just saying, I mean, Kansas City 32 <laughs> makes all the sense in the world. I know it you does. hate that as a Colorado native, but. <sighs> if I was a Bronco fan, I'd hate it. Luckily, I don't have any any cares in the world about that team. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, funny you bring up a receiver first because I had – a few names written down myself. Well, two names that stood out to me are Lad McConkey and Roman Wilson. McConkey from Georgia, Roman Wilson from uh, Michigan. Roman Wilson is just that guy that we talk that you know, like you bring up opportunities, and he didn't get a lot of opportunities because they don't throw the ball much. And we talked about this on the McCarthy episode. Like they just don't throw the ball much, and when they do, it's you know, third and three. We needed this one play. All right, back to run the ball. Back to run the ball. Back to run the ball. 
But I think this kid's going to run low four threes possibly. Um, he tracks it so well, catches the ball effortlessly with his hand. I mean, he can catch, not break stride, continue upfield, continue across the field. I think he's a lot better pure receiver than we ever got to see at Michigan. And someone that, you know, if you stick him as your number two, I don't want to say he's Brandon Cooks, but there's some Brandon Cooks to this kid's game where the pure speed and the pure field stretching ability is pretty elite if you let him actually get let him actually get going. Michigan didn't do that. Um, Lad McConkey, he's getting those Antonio Brown comparisons now, which is I crazy because a while ago, uh, I think I don't know if it was I don't know if it was you and me or me and Ruckus, my buddy on Twitter, Sports Ruckus, who I used to do the podcast Sorry, with. Is Ruckus okay? Because we were talking, and he goes, "Does he remind you of Antonio Brown?" And I'm like, "Funny you say that," because I think yeah, he's white, so we're all like, you know, Cooper Cup and uh, the Green Bay guy, whatever. And it's like, yeah, I don't think he compares to a lot of the white guys we currently have or have had. He moves so well. He's so gifted as far as like his his burst out of his breaks, his pure speed, and the way he separates it well. I think this is another guy that, yeah, he's probably not going to dominate one-on-one matchups all the time if he's you know, kind of asked to play big. But if you keep him as just say, hey, go be a separator, be our guy that, Probably is a number two. Again, he, he doesn't have the pure size to be a pure X, be a pure number one that's going to take on cornerback ones every week. But he can be so productive if you give him the opportunity. And him and Wilson kind of both fit that same mold of like number twos. Probably can move him around a lot, slot, outside, whatever, whatever. But they are always going to be open. They're always going to be guys that you can get the ball. And that's so important in today's day and age because we and you know, I was thinking about this too. We talk about like, oh, this Jaden Daniels, greatest deep ball thrower in college right now. How often are deep balls happening in the nfl right like mahomes never gets th- to throw deep balls anymore like one of the best deep ball throws for a few years in the nfl scene with tyree kill we don't see him throw deep anymore like that's not part of their offense they need guys that can separate underneath and kind of play small ball these two are perfect for that just like malachi corley perfect for that underneath stuff separating in a flash instead of we can wait for the play to develop and five seconds downfield you know now you're open that's not who these guys are but I think they're kind of met for today's NFL, and they could really boost their production up if given the opportunity. Well, it's worth pointing out, too, that like 25 teams right now in the league are currently projected to be running a West Coast-style offense next year. Yeah. You know, like yeah. everybody has been has made this drastic shift to that West Coast, Yeah, um, which has been wild to witness. But that's where we're at right now. Um, and that's exactly the type of receiver that those offenses need, those three that we just brought up. Now, this is cheating a little bit. And there's a, I already kind of mentioned him a little bit, but um, because I, I think he's going to be – he very well may be the first defensive tackle off the board, and that's why it's, this is cheating on that question. But I just I, – I, I absolutely loved Byron Murphy yeah. out of Texas. Um, defensive tackle – Number 90 right there in that six foot 300 range. Um, you put on that tape and you just watch this guy play and the skill set that he has. First off, as a true junior, the understanding that he has of how to use his hands and how to set himself up for success throughout the rep is unbelievable. Uh, the second thing that you kind of see is he's violent, he's sudden, and he's a much better athlete than anybody 300 pounds really is. <laughs> yeah, and you know he starts moving and he starts kind of killing it, uh, and you're just like, like this guy, this guy's le- you're like he's legit, 
And we yeah. talked about, you know, that, oh, is there that defensive tackle in this class, you know, that, that can kind of be that separator. We talked uh, back, I think we did our big board a few months ago, Jerzon Newton, Johnny Newton, he could yeah. be that guy. Yeah. But, you know, this guy, Murphy, graded out a little bit higher for me than, uh, than Newton did Same. because, you know, he's just – he's got a much more complete skill set. He, he's very active as a pass rusher. Uh, maybe neat. the one thing that you kind of can say is he could close a little bit better in space. Um, but you know, once I think that some, I think some more experience, he's, uh, he's first year as a full-time starter. He's on the rotation his first two years at Texas. Yeah. Um, I think a, a little more experience will help with that. And now we're talking about an elite athlete who has crazy violence in his hands and, shades of Aaron Donald to his game. Yeah, I hate the the comps. Like we were just talking about, the lofty comps are crazy to me sometimes. But he... he I actually, be, on the report, I actually went Grady Jarrett. Does that make you feel better? I, you know, I was thinking Jarrett, or even... Because I think he's a little bendier than Jarrett. Yeah. And... Well, Jarrett, I think, was like three, almost 315. You know? Yeah. I think there's... Murphy's coming at 302. Yeah, he's going to come in a lot. But I, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's Geno Atkins right there. Sorry, you dying over there, buddy. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's more like Geno Atkins, just the way that he can kind of, I mean, literally bend under and around blockers in the way that he doesn't have to be a pure. The thing I liked more about him than Johnny Newton, we talked about Newton in the past. And, you know, we weren't overly high on him. We thought he's starting off maybe super high for us because we haven't studied a lot of players. And then as we you know get more and more names, like he kind of will drop. And that's exactly what happened, I think, for both of us. Newton is that guy that I don't see the twitch and the pure strength. He kind of wins because he attacks a gap. And if the gap is not won right away, like he's a little stumped or he kind of takes a bit to kind of reload and figure out his counters where Byron Murphy is so twitched up, he can win that gap or he can go right at you and kind of laterally make you miss. There's just a lot more options to his game um a lot more geno atkins style than i think johnny newton who's gotten those comps and i don't see that i think he's more of a second who knows at the nfl i mean this it's not the greatest defensive tackle class but i think newton could fall maybe late second early third probably won't happen but i think it's a possibility if he doesn't test well and teams already weren't sold on some of the tape that he put out but byron murphy's a, feels like if you can get him moving and if you can get hit find the way to make him a productive player because again he's not going to be the best run stopper he's not going to be a two gapper there's ways that he can get blown up probably just like aaron donald though but if you can get him coming up field and kind of get him to be kind of a specialty player you're going to get a freak show and, a, and hopefully a productive player we've seen kalaja Kansi go in the first round i'm trying to think who else what other loves Kansi. yeah huge and, Kansi and honestly murphy is a lot better of a prospect than Kansi, in my opinion so you're getting a guy that, yeah, just like Kansi, get him going in the right role, and holy crap, man, he's gonna he's gonna explode. Do you have anybody that's you, not a first rounder <laughs> that you think could end up being a top player at their position? I've got a controversial few, actually, if you don't mind. So I've got a Let's quarterback, sleep. I've got a tackle, and I've got a safety. As far as quarterbacks go, I think a lot of these guys are kind of boomer bust. And so it's kind of other than, I mean, even Caleb Williams is boomer bust, but Drake may 
Jaden Daniels, Bone, like all the guys, everyone we've talked about. But Spencer Rattler, I come back to him every time. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were saying, look at Drake May versus Clemson. Look at Spencer Rattler versus Clemson. Honestly, if you just watch those two games, you probably wouldn't know who teams ranked higher, other than you can tell one guy's taller. And so he probably has more prototypical size. But Rattler just feels a lot more natural at times playing the position. And you feel like he he understands what the answers to the problem are going to be and how he's supposed to kind of solve it versus Drake may sometimes felt uptight. Sometimes he felt stiff. Sometimes he felt rushed. Sometimes it was like he's scrambling, but you can tell it's kind of a panic mode where Rattler just felt so chill all the time. Um, even in their head to head, it was like they dueled back and forth. And there was a lot of times where I felt the same way. Like Rattler just understands the quarterback position and so many of those little nuances he does so well. If he goes to the Vikings, the Rams, maybe even Denver, something like that, where he gets with a good offensive coordinator and a decent offensive mind and probably a decent offensive offensive line that can actually protect him, unlike South Carolina. But we might see this guy take off. And, you know, in a year or two, we're looking back at him just like, you know, Brock Purdy and saying, like, why did he go? Why did he go so late? Like, he does so many of the little things so naturally. So, Rattler's. That's, in, my, that's interesting. I, I have to pose this question just, you know, because yeah. you brought up Rattler's potentially, you know, long shot, but a best could be a, one of the best players of, the, of his position group in the NFL one day. You've been talking to a former NFL scout here lately. <laughs> Former NFLs, that guy, that guy's gonna look like a genius, man. If Rattler hits, and it's hilarious because, well, he probably won't look like a genius because his analysis is still hilarious and doesn't make any sense. But it's just gonna be annoying to see that guy post on Twitter if Rattler ends up uh, hey, uh, booming. What was he? He changed it. He changed. He's not. He doesn't start every tweet with uh, uh, former uh, former NFL scout. Now it's yeah, he's versatile. former pro personnel. Pl- uh, yeah, who worked uh, with Bill Walsh and yeah, blah, blah, who blah, walked? Blah. No, Bill Parcells in the Parcells. New York Jets. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. All right, Jets buddy. Brother. Yeah. Well, and look, that already tells you right there. I mean, like if you're working pro personality, they're not letting you look at rookies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I I know some things about it. He was like he did intern work. There's not a there was never a player personnel decision that man ever made in his life. Well, the other thing, good. the other thing too about it was like. Have you actually ever met anybody that could verify he worked for the Jets? I haven't, but I know I don't want to I don't want to just make this a bashing podcast, but I do know well, I'm not trying to bash him, but I'm just saying yeah. like uh I believe he did, but I believe like I said it was someone told me cuz they know him and they just said yeah, he just did like intern work. But see, but that could have been made up too, you know, where it's I, like Exactly. Well, who knows what that entails, but Look, there's no proof. Nobody remembers him. Nobody could tell you that he worked for the New York Jets other than that guy. You know, but so. I like watching him on Twitter, so I'm, I hope he never changes. Oh, no, I'm muted. <laughs> I'm done. I'm just like, oh, no, I, I don't even want to see it anymore. I love it, man. Um, anyway, back to what we were talking about. I had two more names I'll run by you real quick to see what you think. Okay. Kalen Bullock from USC. Um, okay. Easily the, rain, easily the rangiest player in this class. Interception machine, um, a true single high safety, but the man can't tackle. Um, a lot of teams just ran over him and targeted him in the run game. But I mean, he does the one thing that we, you know, we'd love to see out of defensive players, and he flips the field. Uh, he can create a turnover. He can cover the back, 
the entire back. He doesn't need to be a split save. Like this dude is rangy as hell. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a mindset thing or it's just incapability. It looks like a lot of mindset. Like he he's not a physical player. You know, something can be screwed on a little differently in him and he can find it in himself to be more physical and not be such a liability in the run game. I mean, this is a guy that's a scheme changer defensively and that can really be that dude that like Earl Thomas was for the Seahawks where you put him back there. I mean, he is a killer for offenses, especially, you know, if you can play single high and add an extra guy into the box, but still have the the type of range that he brings. I mean, that's a big deal. The main reason a lot of those guys don't last is because they're, you know, liabilities in the run game. And that's exactly what he is. But, you know, like I said, if you fix that, this is a true center field safety that can really be. I mean, he could be special. I just think that's and he'd be going a lot higher if he was bigger. His frame is not great, but if he was bigger and like and, and he could and he could tackle, boom. Um, and Austin Booker, we've Mark Jarvis, you know, brought him up to us a while back. The defensive end from Kansas. The guy's crazy for playing limited snaps. I mean, this dude. Oh yeah, one year starter. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty nuanced as a pass rusher, and as a defensive, as a defensive end. He's going to have to gain more weight, obviously. But, I mean, I just look at him and I watch some of his snaps. I'm like, he, he's doing things that a lot of college defensive ends cannot do, even in their third, fourth year. But he's yeah. setting up offensive tackles using a whole array of moves and has so much in his bag. Like, this dude could find himself, you know, a Max Crosby type of career where third round, fourth round, because he comes out of Kansas when you're starter. And then, you know, three years from now, he is feared by every NFL offense and every primetime game. You know, he's like the talk of the town on Twitter, you know, whatever, whatever. This is that guy. So I don't know where he's going to go. I know he's just a test super well in Indy. I don't know if that's enough to really boost him even into the second round. But I'm just wondering how many teams can watch this type of film and see this type of frame and wingspan and get off and fluidity and say like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna wait on him or we're going to pass and take somebody else. This is not that guy. I think this is a guy you kind of have to swing on early and just understand that, yeah, you got to get him in the NFL weight room. Yeah, you got to develop him a little bit overall as a player. But this kind of pass rush ability is pretty rare. Um, so Jarvis found a good one. And, you know, and when I heard Kansas, I was like, nah. But <laughs> no, Lance I, Leopold has done a really good job with that program down there. Yeah. Yeah, really has. Yeah, to get this guy up. I mean, the way he was in a, as a one-year starter, that's nuts. So, um, geez, him. And then I got to watch Renardo Green the other day, by the way, cornerback out of Florida State. I don't know if you've seen him, but I think – Blew up the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, was, I, I think you've tweeted about him. He's good, too. I mean, he is good. I don't think he's going to test crazy. I don't think he's going to do anything off the – you know, on paper that's going to make you think, wow – but his tape is nuts and just the way that he can kind of see the future and run routes for players, run routes for the receivers and kind of understand where the break points are going to be and what kind of tempo he needs to cover with. Cause a lot of guys either cover too slow or too fast. And, you know, as a receiver, you're kind of looking for that. You're looking for blind spots. You're looking for stride length. You're looking for a lot of tells that cornerbacks have that way you can kind of get them off balance. That's what Justin Jefferson's the best at is mm-hmm. you know really understanding how to play your strengths against you this dude is so good about that like disguising his own coverage making sure you can't just shake him with a head fake or with a 
quick accelerate, you know, quick few steps where you accelerate. He's not that guy. I know the LSU boys just couldn't lose him. Um, and he didn't look, he doesn't look elite doing it. He doesn't look like a freak, but I think he's just such a good solid cover dude. And he's so nuanced at the position. He's another one where, Again, down the road, you're thinking he could be really, yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's a top player on his team. Like, that's insane. So, I could see it. I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. Maybe second, third round. I'm not sure, but he's probably probably more like third. Probably more like third right now. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But we'll see because the combine's going to kind of do a lot of this uh, picking up. We got a couple minutes here, Justin. You were talking about doing boom or bust, right? Yeah. I wanted to hear from you, see who you kind of. Because these names are always interesting. Some people will say, like, how do you, how could you think he'll bust? How could you think, like, you know, I think there's a lot more nuance that goes into this whole scouting thing than we talk about sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hear some names yeah. from you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you want names from me. You didn't, prov- you're not, you don't have the names. I got names myself. I just wanted to hear maybe a few, or maybe I'll give you a few and you can tell me what you think. Because these right. are some of my Let's top go. guys that I'm like, <sighs> as far as receivers go, I thought Troy Franklin and Xavier Worthy. We're both worthy of this list. Troy Franklin, he kind of struggles to catch the ball. Straight up struggles mm-hmm. to catch the ball. His frame is small. He doesn't track as well as you think a speed guy would. So I think, you know, the boom side of him is no one that's 6'3 should be that fast, that fluid, move that well. And actually kind of separates really well. He, he really does. Mm-hmm. But can he catch the ball consistently? Or are we looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Xavier Worthy is probably a Marquise Brown type. Again, struggles to catch the ball. Slender frame. Slender frame. Probably don't want him working over the middle, but I mean, is this Deshaun Jackson or is this John Ross? Which is it? Because he's also Mm. amazing after the catch. So it's like, who, as an offense, both these guys are probably guys you don't want working over the middle. You don't want them to be the chain movers. You don't want them reeling in tough catches. But if you can get them out of that, out of that role altogether and say, go be Deshaun Jackson or go be our pure deep threat, you might be looking at guys that light up the NFL. I'll go with a tackle that comes to mind. I'll start there. Uh, Marius Mims. I mean, ah, yeah, I had him on my list too. Physical, yeah. just has has all the uh, measurements that you could possibly want. Just looks like an NFL player as soon as you see him. But yeah. you start watching his tape, and he's so unpolished. He's so unpolished, yeah. and you're going, oh, but you you've you've been you got eight starts in two two years, yeah. like yeah. in the SEC. That's a little too. not yeah. It's it's not like we're sitting here going, you know, oh well, you know, you this and that you got injuries, you've got all these different things on top of that that we've got to figure out with you. Like yeah. that it's is a tr- huge boom bust. Straight right up here. experience. Yeah. yeah uh the other that. one. You know, um, I'm trying not to be too obvious here. So I gotta kinda think a little bit. Uh you know, let's go with uh Kool-Aid McKinstry Interesting. out of Alabama. Yeah, because, you know, when we came into the draft cycle, he was the top talked about corner. Everybody was yeah. saying, oh, he's the corner number one. Well, he wasn't even the best corner on his team this year. That was Terry and Arnold. Yeah. And now Arnold's the cornerback one, and we're talking about three or four guys going before Kool-Aid, yeah. um, you know, as the media starts to kind of catch up to the NFL. So what it is is you got these agents and people that work with media people and they put out these names early to get people start talking about them, like before the the draft, before their entering is over. So they were started getting these media people start talking about Kool Aid back before the twenty twenty three NFL draft. Plus, so a cool name. Were, so it really is. He yeah, he was a, cool a catchy. Name. 
high school because it was him and it was DeColdis Crawford that came out in the same class. Yeah, DeColdis, I remember that. DeColdis, yeah, and he's at like Louisiana Tech now. But uh, anyways, point being, Gam, is that, you know, when you look at a guy like that, uh, he he's definitely has some decent size. He definitely has some decent athletic traits. But is he reactive enough? Is he going to be able to stay in the hip pocket? Or is he really going to be limited to this, you know, match four type system where that's where he's going to have to operate out of? I don't yeah. know. Terry and Arnold, I feel a lot better about. Yeah. Yeah, Terry and Arnold, I think I've thrown on the comp Stefan Gilmore. He looks mm-hmm. like a true number one, someone that you can actually have shadow true number one receivers. Yeah. Um, might, not, might not be perfect, but I mean, there's a lot of Gilmore to his game. Yeah, um, I see it. Two, more, two more DBs real quick that I had. Nate Wiggins yeah, from Clemson. Yeah, Nate Wiggins from Clemson reminds me way too much of Justin Gilbert. Just living in recovery Ooh. mode, living off speed and size. But it's like there's a there's no nuance to this kid's game. It's just he's covering you, but he kind of isn't doing anything right. Like he's just being an athlete, and it's kind of working. But he's also not working in the ACC, you know. Yeah, and he's also not physical. Like I don't really see dog in this guy. So I'm like, I wonder if we get to the NFL if he's really willing. CJ Henderson. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then I hate to say his name, Cooper DeGene, and I think he's more of a boomer bust just based off the fact that you got to understand what he is just like minka fitzpatrick coming out of bama flores tried to make him a weird nickel corner whatever that didn't work out it was awful and we were like what's wrong with minka fitzpatrick you look good at alabama what the hell move him to pure free safety all right maybe he might be the best pure safety in the game cooper DeGene's kind of the same way i don't see a pure man-to-man shutdown corner no. there's he's he's tight he has you know he's not oily in transition if you ask him to be your number one corner because you draft him super high you're not going to have a fun time, and neither is he. So I think this is a dude that's probably a strong safety that you can keep in the box, kind of cover tight ends, or hell, maybe he's your actual free safety and he's rangy enough and can get his hands on enough balls to kind of make that worth it. But I think he's a safety. I don't think he's a corner, and I, I don't like that because he was so hyped up early. Now people are kind of hesitant to say, oh, he can't play corner. Like, Just get it right. Don't be first. Don't be against the echo chamber just be right and i don't think the right thing is putting him a cornerback so i think you know you, you we see him taking top 15 and then some team sticks him at corner i, I know you and i are going to be like ah shit oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> great Here i don't go. i don't think he's going to go top 15 just because of the injury um, i agree but i i've i've been right there with you banging that horn and you know i think i said that a couple months ago on twitter where you know i think he's a safety he's not yeah. a corner you know um and that it's just how it is. You know, you got a, a kid that is so athletic. He is crazy, crazy gifted return specialist. He'll, he will make people miss. He'll do a jump out of the gym. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if he were to be able to test, I mean, he would kill it. It'd be amazing. Yeah. But there is a different type of, you know, athletic ability that's required to play corner. And that's to be reactive, to be, yeah to have that kind of control over your body and your mind and being connected to that same point so that when you see something, you know, you just got that instinct or whatever it is to make those cues and react accordingly. And, you know, when you're playing safety, it's a lot easier to, you know, to have time to make up for any lack of reflex per to say, yeah. Um, then at corner, you know, when you're in man coverage and trying to stay with a guy breaking a 90, you know, degree in cut. 
Yeah. You, you can be linear no. and play safety. You cannot be linear and play corner. No. And he's no, a linear even, even in a match four system, you know, like it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. But no. so I, th- I think he's a safety. I think he's going to be a good one, but. I think it'd be a great safety. I mean, play him there. Harrison Smith type safety, you know, like be in the league for a long time. He's can be a downhill, you know, hitter. He'll just have more athletic ability, more upside in the return game. Indeed. And I think you can't take him off the field. If if you got to, if you you got to, you need a kick return or punt return, you got, don't put somebody else out there, put him out there. Yeah. He's going to make stuff happen. Cannot afford to get him hurt or something, but yeah, I mean, he's dynamic as hell. So. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Wish you could. Test, I think but... uh, I think that's about it here, man. I think we've about yeah. wrapped up the show. Uh, we're going to be back at it later this week. Jarvis should be joining us after uh, getting back. Yep, from the combine. Uh, he was actually texting texting us while recording. That's why I was looking distracted while you're talking about your uh, safety. What's he, over sa- there. What's he saying? All right, trust we'll him. talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, if, uh, for Justin Gamble and John Vogel, we'll be back at it later this week on the Sick Podcast. And get us out of here, Shane. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.